Hello and welcome or welcome back to a brand new episode of the Ticker Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Pulse by Public.com, providing tools for IR teams to engage with retail shareholders. I'm your host, Noemi Di Stefano in Manchester. Coming up this month on the show, we go to Needy 2023 in Chicago, where we speak to Patrick Kiss, Head of Invest Relations at German retail estate investment company Deutsche Euroshop. With him, we talk about ESG and AI from an IR standpoint and delve into some of the key areas of focus for investors and analysts in Germany right now. You will hear from Patrick Kiss later in the show, so stay tuned for that. In the third part of this month's episode, we speak with Ian Matheson, Chief Executive of the Australasian Investor Relations Association, and hear about key takeaways from their latest annual conference, which took place in Sydney earlier this month. We also consider the status of the retail investment community space in Australasia. But first, I'm joined by two members of the editorial team who attended two of the most important conferences in the IR space held in the past month, Siri and Neri, respectively. A big welcome to senior reporter Tim Human joining us from West London. Tim, welcome back to the show. Hi, Naomi. Great to speak to you. Likewise. And also with us is IR magazine editor-in-chief James Beach joining us from the city. James, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having us, Naomi. Delighted to join you and Tim on this chat. Looking forward to it as well. How are you guys doing? You caught up on um, post-event sleep, enjoying the warm UK weather? Yeah, just about over the um, post-event jet lag um, and now enjoying a bit of nice uh, summer weather in the UK. So can't complain. Yeah, really warm. What about you, James? Yeah, yeah. It's been a whirlwind. Very much conference season in full effect. Uh, we've had Siri, we've had Neri, we've had the IR Society, and we have our own events coming up very soon with our Europe Think Tank and Europe Awards. So June is very hectic, but that's great. That's how we like it. Yeah, exactly. We're uh, going to have our website on fire in the coming weeks. But uh, for the time being, guys, I just wanted to have you on the show this month to get your perspective and, and view and views on these two IR conferences. Wanted to get your impressions since you walked on the floors of these events and had an opportunity to attend sessions and, and speak to, to IROs and other members of the investment community. So let's start in a chronological order and go to City 2023 first. Tim, you had the opportunity to fly to Toronto for the Canadian Investor Relations Institute conference. So tell us about the atmosphere at the event uh, held in person for the first time since 2019, since, since COVID-19. What was the attendance like and what was the buzz at the event? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, First of all, I was very excited to be there, uh, despite having uh, worked for Iron Magazine for many years. Uh, <laughs> it was actually my first Siri conference. Uh, oh, really? So really nice to go over there, you know, and meet some more of the Canadian IR community. Um, as you mentioned, it was the first conference uh, since 2019. So I think there was just a real buzz in terms of people getting back together for the first time in three years. You know, a lot of people hadn't seen each other for a long time. Um, there was a lot's changed in the IR world over those three years. So people were really excited to get together, you know, um, 
link up and, and just discuss some of those changes. Um, it was also beautiful sunny weather uh, yeah. in Toronto. Uh, you know, 30 degrees, blue skies. Um, so I think that really added to like a sort of feel-good factor and certainly helped with uh, the party on the Monday night, which was uh, pool party themed. So there was, uh, you know, Hawaiian shirts, barbecue, live music. So that, that was really good fun. I would say as well, though, it was also a reflective event, you know, in some in some ways, because it was Yvette Locker, the CEO and president of Ceres' final conference. Yeah. Um, she's been in that role running the IR Association for 10 years and uh, with the IR Association for 15 years overall. And so, you know, there were a lot of emotional speeches given either by Yvette um, or about Yvette by other people. So, yeah, sort of a reflective, a uh, few reflective moments during the event, too. It sounds really great. I'm really jealous. And I did enjoy your uh, weather description, your piece as an intro to, to the event. Um, and in terms of, of, of the sessions and the presentations that um, took place during the event, uh, which one did you find the most uh, valuable and, and informative? Was there anything surprising for you? Well, there was a lot of uh, great sessions, um, you know, over the event. Hard, hard to pick out, you know, one in particular. Um, I would say that the first day was really interesting in that it was a self-care day. And so that day focused on a couple of sessions. First of all, about how IROs can look after themselves and avoid burnout. And then also another section which was all about enhancing your networking skills and you know getting better at you know, making connections with your peers. Um, I think it was really topical. Because um, as you could tell from the discussions um, at the conference, I think IR teams are facing, you know, a very heavy workload at the moment. Uh, you know, they're being asked to do more with less. And, you know, these requests are coming from, you know, senior management. Very hard to say no uh, in these situations. And so talking about strategies, uh, you know, how to manage your work workload, how to, you know, prioritise or deprioritise depending on, you know, what you need to do. Uh, that, those were some really interesting discussions. Yeah, I would imagine that that would be extremely applicable and useful for people, for IROs who are running one one man show in particular as well. I mean, obviously for everyone, also people with bigger teams, uh, companies with bigger IR teams. But, you know, in particular, I think it would be really useful for one man shows. Well, yeah, sorry to interrupt. No, no, not at all. No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of, uh, you know, one man teams in Canada. Um, but um, some of the other things in those sessions were really interesting as well. Just fascinating insights into how to make a good impression and how to influence the people that you're meeting with. And um, one speaker actually said that if, if you go to a meeting uh, at an external firm, if you match the, the colour of the clothes you're wearing with the logo of the firm you're meeting with, like scientifically, you'll make a better impression. Oh. <laughs> um, so yeah, some really like interesting little like snippets there to sort of make you think about how you can, you know, improve those relationships that you're trying to build. Definitely. And if you were to summarize, maybe like three or a top three or top five key takeaways from 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 Twenty Twenty Three, what would you say those are? Again, it's it's hard to sort of pick out what one or two in particular. There's such a, a breadth of different topics discussed. Uh, you know, from you know, how to avoid burnout, as, as we were just talking about, to ESG, of course, uh, you know, to AI, to retail investors, you know, all sorts of different topics uh, being talked about. Um, 
I would say there was there was an economist there who talked about the chances of recession mm-hmm. um, for the North American market, and he put that at eighty percent. Um, and you know said that you know we've seen some things break this year, referring to the U.S. banking system, and a few more things may break, uh, you know, going forward. And so companies really need to be prepared for that, you know, some kind of recession, even if it's a mild recession, and have an you know, an IR playbook to deal with that. So I think that was one takeaway. On the ESG side, there was a big session on the last day featuring a panel of investors. And that was a really interesting uh, discussion into what investors really want from companies' ESG reporting. And uh, one, of, one of the really interesting points made there is that the investors said that they're not actually that interested in a company's 100-page sustainability or ESG report. Um, and what they'd really like is, is a three- or four-page version of that just focusing on the key data points and also historical comparisons of that data. You know, so they don't need to see any of the other bits. And um, one of the IROs in the room actually joked that she felt like crying because uh, she spent so much time putting together this 100-page ESG report and now she's hearing that investors, her key constituent, don't want to read it. Um, So that led to the question, should companies actually be producing these reports? Um, But it it was pointed out that there are many users of of sustainability and ESG reports, not just investors. You know, they're of great use for clients, um, employees, of course, um, you know, retail, retail investors, you know, all sorts of different stakeholders. And so maybe companies still want to be producing these big reports, um, but then they need to think about some sort of kind of tear out or, you know, condensed version for the investor audience. Did you did you hear of anyone kind of saying, oh, yes, let's do a three, four pages report and taking that suggestion on board? Did you see this happening? Did you hear anyone agreeing with this uh, with this proposal? Well, there's a question from the audience, which uh, was from an IR reporting agency, which was, OK, you want this uh, sort of three or four sort of page condensed report what should be in it like what does that look like um and you know that's coming from one of the design agencies that's helping to create these reports and so i think it's a real open question um something for us to look into and i think we will be actually investigating this topic a bit more in uh, the next uh, issue of i magazine definitely yeah it's, it's definitely really interesting to understand what exactly should be there then if it was so condensed uh okay and um just uh, i mean lastly before we we move on to on to Neri, um is there uh, any piece of uh, ir peer-to-peer advice that grabbed your attention a sentence or i don't know um a conversation that you had with someone that you would that, that is stuck with you and you would like to share with our audience Sure. Um, I think one thing that really sort of the, the, the conference reinforced was the, the, the value of just getting out there and, you know, meeting your fellow IROs in person and exchanging ideas uh, and information with them. And uh, one thing that really brought that home was on one of the panels um, I was involved in, uh, there was a discussion about retail investors and in particular family offices. And uh, one of the panelists said that they built up a list of 500 family offices, which were of great interest to them. And they'd done that simply by collaborating with another IRO. They hadn't worked with any outside agencies. You know, they hadn't used any data services, although those are incredibly important. But, you know, the, the bulk of that list had been created just by two IROs exchanging information with each other. And um, at the end of the session, the IRO said to the audience, well, and if anyone wants to get my list of family offices, then... <laughs> Come and talk to me and let me know what information you have to share. That's great. So I think um, 
you know, there's a lot to be learned just by uh, getting out there and meeting other IROs and, and sharing information and sharing ideas. Thank you, Tim. That's a great recap of, of Siri. And there's, of course, more on our website, irmagazine.com. And James, uh, same question to you, but uh, for Neri, uh, 2023 in Chicago last week. So what was the attendance like? What was the atmosphere like um, walking on the, on the floor of Neri? Well, thanks, Dermy. Yeah, IR Magazine was back in full effect for Neri 2023 in Chicago this year. Uh, contrast to Boston last year, that was very much post-pandemic and uh, still a lot of working from home activity. This time, definitely attendance up. Organizers saying about 800 attendees, that's IROs, that's corporates, that's service providers in a particularly large downtown hotel. Great atmosphere, lots of interest in shaking hands, getting back to one-on-one engagements, uh, sharing knowledge, uh, forging new relationships and revitalizing relationships too. So yeah, very much a buzz. And the social aspect is very much part and parcel, as you guys will attest. There's the sessions during the day, the breakouts, the meetings, but it's the afternoon functions, the dinners, the cocktail receptions that also are just as important and very well attended. Yeah, of course, as journalists, we know that the best time to get something juicy is during a dinner or a lunch, isn't it? Um, but in terms of sessions and presentations, did uh, uh, I mean, I know there was a lot of, of focus on ESG, on AI, um, any particular session from with any particular panel or, or speaker that, um, that caught your attention? Beth? Well, this is a, in such a contrast to last year, uh, AI and ESG were very much overriding factors that threaded throughout the, the sessions, uh, topics of, of uh, constant interest through Slido questions and in the halls. So ESG was very much RIP ESG. That was the, the one-shot takeaway that I would take from Neri this year. Already there was talk of an ESG backlash, which we've covered on IR Magazine extensively. This time, RIP ESG was one phrase that stays in the mind. Not so much dismissing the need to report and disclose those particular findings. That's important. ESG is what investors want. It's what the smarter C-suite wants. It's certainly what IROs want to provide and have a personal interest in too. It's just that certainly in the States, and probably just to narrow it down to two states in the States, uh, ESG is becoming overloaded with connotations which may be not helpful. Uh, There may be a distraction. They may not be fully understood, and they may be too over-encompassing. So there was other ways of coming at that particular phrase to try and remove that stigma. That was interesting as well, the evolution of ESG, And also, as I say, the AI topic has come out of nowhere. That wasn't a thing six months ago, necessarily, uh, never mind last year. So chat GPT putting a face, putting a a name on AI, which to be fair, has been around and we use it every day on our phones and other devices. It is already part of our lives, but now it's become part of the conversation. And it's a question of what do we do with this tool? Where's the value in it? for us as IROs, 
that's the gist of it. That was coming up a lot. Yeah, I I was uh, looking at the interviews that you had with with some of the attendees, and I mean, uh, w- another thing that I really liked of those conversations around AI was that you know uh, you were asking them if if actually they see AI to be a threat for the IR role, and you know in in the long term whether you could substitute any of the functions that the IR predictioners carry out, and everyone was actually pretty positive, wasn't it? Yeah, that's fair to say. Yeah, I think it's once you get over the, the shock value mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, get over the initial wariness, you can start to see how this could be a, a tool. For instance, if you're trying to cut through a huge amount of data, uh, then you could put uh, the likes of, of these chatbots to good use in that regard. Uh, if you're looking to finesse your press releases, that could be another useful application for this tech. And then that, by right, should free us up for the more personal human side of things, the actual investor relations that can't be replicated online or in in chatbots. That's the the coffee meetings, the one-on-one corporate access engagements, the roadshows, what have you. So yeah, there's definitely the the value that's being identified. Uh, And I I think at this stage, it's a question of which format works best for me. So I think we're going to see a relatively crowded marketplace full of different chatbot offerings from different providers and uh, I think it could be quite the uh, the buyer's market everyone will be wanting the attention of, of IROs and by rights maybe this time next year there'll be quite a, a variety of, of applications to choose from quite right yeah I'm, I'm sure there, there will be but yeah it's it's positive that a lot of uh, people in the industry see it as an opportunity to elevate uh, the IR function and I think it was uh, the CEO of Q4 Daryl Hapes who was saying actually you know it will just allow IROs to focus more on relationship building that I thought it was a very valuable point and I know that in your conversation you also spoke about you know next year conference can you give us uh, a little sneak peek preview what to expect from next year conference uh i know this one has just ended but absolutely yeah early days they have yet to have a meeting to organize but they did confirm that neri will return to san francisco california on june 9 to 11 on 2024 so that's uh, an exciting date for the diary we'll be there of course ir magazine returning to the west coast that's our, our home just as much as the east coast and UK and Europe and Canada and so on. So yes, uh, very interesting to see how these topics evolve in that time. Uh, a lot to uh, cover between now and 2024. Okay, thanks James and thanks Tim for sharing your impressions with me and our audience today. Just a gentle reminder to our listeners that all the content from Siri, Neri 2023 and much more is available on our website irmagazine.com so head over to the page to check articles, videos and Q&As and much more. Time now for a short break but stay with us as coming up next we go directly to the floor of Neri and we'll hear from James again this time in conversation with Patrick Kiss from Deutsche Euroshop. Don't go away. Companies are always looking to build stronger relationships with current and potentially new investors. If you are a public company, Pulse by public.com can help you build deeper relationships with your investors. Share your company narrative with innovative formats. Make investor information more discoverable. 
reach retail investors where they're already engaged, and much more. Pulse by Public.com helps IR teams engage their retail shareholders, amplify company communications, and gain actionable insights into retail investor audiences. Visit Public.com slash Pulse to schedule a free demo. Patrick Kiss, welcome to Neri Chicago 2023. Thanks so much for joining us. You've attended the conference uh, all week. Can you tell us what are the big takeaways from the sessions that you've attended and the conversations that you've had? What are you taking back to Germany from here? Yeah, thanks, James, for having me at IR Magazine. Um, yeah, it was a great comeback conference. Uh, even if it's the second after the pandemic, um, it's getting more and more crowded, and, and that's that's good to see that uh, people are coming back to share their knowledge, to, to get updated on the latest trends in investor relations. And uh, for me, it's always a, a pleasure and a, and a good experience to come back to, to the NERI conference. As the largest, by far largest, there's uh, no other conference uh, reaching to, to this kind of conference. Um, World-class uh, um, experts presenting the latest trends and even as a I would call me on myself a seasoned uh, investor relations manager, but it's always something new for me to learn, to to add, to optimize my way of uh, doing uh, the profession um, in a daily business. Sure. I mean, the, the buzzwords around the halls have definitely been ESG and artificial intelligence. Yeah, exactly. Has, uh, have they been of interest to you? What have you taken away from those learnings? Yeah, uh, it has to be of interest for me because uh, it's, a, it's a matter uh, but where we can't get around uh, and we don't want to get around um, and as on investor relations professionals it's typical that every new kind of um, communications number driven uh, issue is part of our uh, daily business uh, and therefore uh, yeah in Germany and in Europe we, we have some new regulations to expect or not, not only to expect we have to be prepared for them prepared for them um, because they are, will be in place next year uh, and therefore yeah it's uh, all over the world obviously um, not only here at the conference but also in Europe a big issue and uh, yeah a, a big surprise uh, for me was the, here at the conference to hear that uh, so many IR professionals are already implementing artificial intelligence in their daily business me too but uh, I wasn't aware that so many um, colleagues and fellows uh, in the profession already make use of this new kind of technology. They are indeed. There are advantages, of course, and disadvantages, and we discuss all these kind of factors at the conference. I mean, it's fascinating that you're already applying AI to your own business, your own ways of doing. I mean, what's been your experience of it so far? What's, what have been the benefits? What have been the limitations to your knowledge? In communications, it's often uh, the starting point, uh, which is the most difficult, uh, like with sports or running activities, you have to come over the first step. And then uh, there, and with this, um, the artificial intelligence can help you with first drafts, for example. Um, and this is where I, I or we are experimenting, not, not really implementing at the moment, but experimenting and uh, 
it's it's kind of standard procedures where, where we try to implement um, time-saving opportunities, time-saving opportunities, standard communications, uh, social media posts, or um, letters to to shareholders, individual um, uh, formulations, and things like that. And what's been the, the general sense from the, the analysts and investors who you engage with when it comes to AI? Are they curious? Are they expecting you guys to be using this tool? Not really expecting, but I think everyone has a look at it, um, how it could help, what is the threat, uh, where to prepare for, the disadvantages or the advantages, um, but uh, expectation is not, not, not already given. That's not the case. Fair enough. And it's fascinating about the, the, the regulatory angle. Um, Europe is, I think, quite to, very much taking the lead on this, uh, quite rightly so, because there are issues of commercial sensitivity, of data privacy. Are those concerns that you have with AI in particular? Are there any other things that you would like to see regulated in that space? Um, maybe not regulated or in every way regulated, but uh, Europe is all at the moment discussing if there has to be a disclaimer or a signal uh, that this is produced by artificial intelligence, especially with photographs or videos. Deep fakes is such a thing, such a thing where we should be aware of. Uh, I think it's uh, in the companies it's the same like with the uh, social media guidelines every company should have and uh, I think the same is true now for for the use of artificial intelligence uh, because there are still insider information uh, you have when you prepare sometimes uh, um, for example quarterly report or other things um, you can't just feed the standard uh, chat GPT for example with your information you have to anonymize it um, so that uh, you keep all the other regulations which are already in place uh, protected. Absolutely, lots to think about. Let me ask you to take a step back from AI. Um, what have been the other highlights from the sessions and conversations at your time at NERI? What else has surprised you perhaps? What else are you taking away back to Germany? Um, what surprised me is that uh, we all want to come back, like we said at the beginning, um, to, to the personal meetings. But uh, that corporate access, which is a core element of investor relations, is still not uh, the one uh, or the format we had before the pandemic. So um, I learned, and that surprised me, that even in the US, um, in the biggest market for, for investors and the capital markets, um, it's still difficult to get meetings on Mondays and Fridays. Um, so um, home office is still a, an important Sector, even from the uh, investor side, um, and that corporate access is also changing in, in the world. Besides the issues or the topics we already discussed, uh, ESG, of course, and AI. Uh, but the most surprising are new developments sometimes in the traditional uh, instruments we have to use uh, in investor relations. Sure thing. Watch this space. And then just finally, um, can you tell us what the mood is like back home? What's the conversations? What's keeping up? investors, analysts, IROs at night back in Germany and Western Europe in your experience? Yeah, besides the political um, problems we have all over the world and uh, the, the staked crisis we have to face in the last uh, in the recent years, um, I don't have to mention them, Ukrainian war, um, energy crisis um, and uh, other political things. Um, it's, uh, I think it, they, these are the 
same problems we have all over the world. Um, we all have to find a, a way to the what is the new normality. Um, and uh, besides the facts which were already in place, the influence factors uh, which influenced us before the pandemic, like um, passive investing and other things, regulation especially, where we always have to yeah, um, develop ourselves in a, in a new way uh, to optimize and to, to learn anything uh, new. Absolutely. So your advice for IROs navigating these waters would be to keep up communication or transparency, keep up with regulations. Yeah, and network like uh, at conferences like, like the Newry Conference, at local events, uh, national events, to share the knowledge uh, in person or uh, via virtual events like the ones IR Magazine offers, for example, because this knowledge exchange is the most helpful, at least for me, and I think for, for most of the other colleagues in, in the world as well, um, because you don't have to reinvent uh, the, um, the wheel a second time. Yeah. Understood. You can learn from your, from your colleagues. Absolutely, absolutely. All about engagement in person, and uh, what a relief to be away from Zooms for the <laughs> most part, back to in person. Patrick Kiss, thank you so much for your time talking to IR Magazine here at Neary 2023. Thank you, James. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Goodbye. You're invited to the ESG Integration Forum Summer on July 13th, an event bringing together investor relations, governance and sustainability professionals to discuss how the landscape of ESG is shifting in the US and abroad and what public companies can do to prepare accordingly. Join IR Magazine and Corporate Secretary at the Clifford Chance offices in New York to connect and reconnect with peers and share valuable insights on key issues including an update and discussion on the SEC climate proposal and what they mean in practice for companies, emerging trends from this year's proxy season and which proposals are gaining the most momentum, what the growing anti-ESG movement means for IR teams, which ESG metrics your peers are focusing on and what constitutes investor-grade data and some of the best practices to educate and support your board as voting policies continue to change. Speakers include company executive from BlackRock, ICCR, Ceres, Verizon and more. Find out more and register your interest on irmagazine.com forward slash events with the code POD25 for a 25% discount. Hello, investor relations professionals. It's James Beach, editor of IR Magazine. I'm delighted to join Ian Matheson. Uh, Ian is joining us in London, and we're delighted to have him here from Down Under. It's great to catch up with you, Ian. Thank you so much for joining the ticker. Thanks very much, James. Great to have the opportunity to talk to you about all things investor relations. That sort of time of the year when many of our fellow um, associations have their annual conference, and it's the certainly the that time of the year, I, I think of the G5, which is um, Australasia, UK, Canada, Germany, and, and the US. Uh, we have all have our conferences in in, in successive weeks, five weeks in a, in a row. Um, so it's uh, great to be in London and having just attended the the US National Investor Relations Institute conference in Chicago, and and in more recent days here in London the. UK Investor Relations Society annual conference as well. Absolutely, you've been on the grand tour. But may I ask how your own association's annual conference went? You've just had it. I understand it's been very well attended. 
uh, with some fascinating uh, value adds as well. How did it all go? Very well, thanks, James. The the big change this year that we made was at adding a day to the conference, which was specifically on all things ESG, and that was a de- deliberate strategy on our part, which, which is to um, we modified our vision statement last year to say that IR at corporates more gen- generally um, should add sustainable value to all capital market for all capital market participants to that end we've uh, embraced uh, because we this is slightly made slightly easier perhaps because our membership structure is corporate um, membership that we've reached out to heads of IR and invited them to nominate their um, head of ESG or sustainability at, at the corporate level to um, participate in in era uh, a new era virtual ESG chapter, and we've done that as a deliberate strategy because IR increasingly either is responsible for ESG, and given that the the, the three key areas of focus um, for IR in relation to ESG and in relation to the ESG data, ESG reporting, and and lastly, the ESG engagement. And IR is involved in all three of those to a greater or lesser extent, and they are only becoming more and more important for for IR. So uh, either IR is is also responsible for ESG or it works very collaboratively with the ESG person or person or team. But we're of the view that you know we want to want to embrace the corporate ESG community and and have a separate stream of activity for for those people, particularly just given their how closely they work with the with IR. Fascinated to hear your association meeting those uh, ESG demands there. Speaking to your your members on both sides of the Tasman, um, what's particularly top of mind for those IROs at the moment and the corporates? What, what's keeping them up at night? Interestingly, I suppose for IROs the world the world over, it, it's as as we've come out of COVID, how to engage with investors and with the with the advent of digital communication and virtual meetings being the norm for for most companies and most IROs around the world for you know an extended period of time. The challenge now is. Um, you know, should that be more of a hybrid a- approach that it, that is face to face and still with some virtual virtual one on one meetings as well? But I think the you know the structure of market structure it has evolved in different markets as well, and um, which is impacting flows of of capital um, in in different markets as well, and obviously other. Uh, longer term trends like the growth of passive investment as well being you know either 40 or 50 percent of of uh, trading volumes are now pa- passive in investment uh, as in turn that's got to show up on company share registers as well and so the the, the nature of engagement uh, is changing as well and how I think more and more IROs around the globally and and companies generally are are trying to figure out how what's the best way to engage with with a seemingly declining number of active invest, fundamental investors, which companies obviously prefer, um, and it provides an op- they provide a greater opportunity to to actually engage and. So IR is obviously a big part of IR is is in that engagement with with investors, both 
asset managers and, and asset owners uh, as well, incre- increasingly. So uh, I, I think, you know, as, as different markets come out of COVID as well, um, I, again, this is certainly a, a theme that I've picked up in some of, both at our conference and, and um, the US and UK conferences is just how to engage with, with inve- investors globally um, who increasingly, uh, like most other uh, workers, are uh, not necessarily in the office five days a week and trying to organise a roadshow where you know, you're target inv- trying to target investors who may not be w- even work in the office or maybe not, not working in the office on Monday and Friday, probably more commonly, um, trying to structure a roadshow in a number of different markets, uh, e.g. US and coming on to the UK or, or vice versa, trying to package up, a say, a five-day two-country roadshow, uh, even just two-country, when... You tap, a lot of your target audience isn't in the office on at least on Monday and Friday means that many roadshows would seem seem like that they're either having to be extended or they're much shorter in their nature and you know companies trying to target particular a couple of a city or two just doing you know Tuesday or Wednesday or just doing Thursday in one um, in another mar- market for example so I think that the dynamics and around roadshow organisation and and targeting is perhaps more so in the US, um, certainly for Australian companies, Australian and New Zealand companies. It's one of the, probably one of the most oft discussed topics at at, uh, era member events is the challenges of organising a US roadshow. I can understand. I think North American IROs will relate to their Australasian cousins. Uh, The tyranny of distance, vast tracts of land, multiple time zones, very difficult to get everyone together, both as IROs, but also shareholders for, for those engagements. So, yeah, I can see where, where the hybrid scenario or virtual still has a, a part to play. And it's fascinating, you mentioned the, the cohort of passive investors, definitely a topic of conversation in the uh, IR Society conference yesterday. Uh, by extension, uh, other cohorts, retail investors, uh, what's the, the retail investment space like in Australasia from your association's perspective, please? I think there's a, a still a lot to be done on the retail engagement front. Uh, I think a lot of companies have historically taken a, a much preferred almost to, uh, in, in, if only because of resources more than anything else probably, probably um, given retail investors pretty short shrift and really only just dealt with retail um, through the AGM mechanism and through the annual report or any, any other doc, hard copy document that company produced. But with, you know, with hard copy docu- documents, annual reports and half-year reviews and, and similar, um, you know, very much being digital now, there's, there's not that, not the same, arguably the same level of engagement with retail investors, but therein lies the, an op- huge opportunity through through email communication and um, to try and and webcasting to reach out to a much broader set of of uh, retail shareholders. So I think you know retail participation in the in the share market is certainly going up, and that's certainly the case in in Australia. And during the during COVID, the number of new accounts that were being set set up 
through COVID, um, you know, was, was quite quite extraordinary. It's it's tailor, it's tapered off now, but a lot of that new those new accounts tended to be millennial investors who were experimenting and in investing in in household name companies and technology companies, but sort of raises a, a number of other issues about whether whether they are true shareholders or whether they're just traders in a, in a sense. And but we're keen keen to ensure that retail investors are, get the full share ownership experience and that this is a, another topic that's a, e- evolved in, over the last few years as discount brokers don't necessarily um, uh, offer direct share ownership by their, their retail clients. It might, they, their ownership might be held through a, a nominee account or custody account where no shareholder in, uh, entitlements are actually passed through to the underlying holder. That's a bit of a sleeping issue, I think, but um, some of those millennial investors who, who may want the full share ownership experience at, you know, at different points, either because they want to see an annual report or they want to participate in the AGM, or, or more importantly, they want to participate in a, in a capital raising that they may not be able to participate in as a result of being in one of these custody accounts where the where the entitlements don't get passed through, um, that that's a we, we, we're very keen to try and encourage shareholder new shareholders particularly to think about how they are investing in the in the share market and make sure that they're aware at least in you know the the full benefits of being a a, a true shareholder. Fantastic. Well, Ian Matheson, Chief Executive of the Australasian Investor Relations Association, thank you so much for your time on the ticker by IR Magazine. Happy travels home. Thanks very much, Jen. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the latest episode of the Ticket Podcast, brought to you by IR Magazine, in partnership with our sponsor, PulseByPublic.com. Huge thanks for their support. You can learn more about Pulse at public.com forward slash Pulse. Thanks also to everyone who took the time of being with us today. For our listeners, if you enjoyed the show, make sure you like and subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Until next time, thanks for listening.